good opening to that to our show on the go <laughs> on the go yeah on the go that's the name of the show on the go a new podcast hosted by Eddie Too Rich and JD Wolf yeah. we're going to kick it off with Bills versus Patriots recap so what's your biggest takeaway from that game JD uh i mean you got a classic smash mouth football classic Know, 80s football, 90s football. You had two teams. One team was more prepared for, you know, this type of environment. And just the other team just schematically was not prepared at all. So you have Bill Belichick, who, you know, who is an underdog, just like Alabama and Nick Saban. So, you know, as an underdog, what did Bill Belichick once again do? Prove the doubters wrong. What Nick, what's Nick Saban saying? Uh, media was pushing out rat poison or something, and what Alabama fed off of that. What they do? They dominated Georgia, and and Cincinnati's next. But that's later in the podcast. But let's touch on this game. So yeah, I mean, the Bills. I was very shocked how Josh Allen didn't, you know, use his legs like he usually does to, you know, kind of propel his team forward. Uh, shout out to the New England defense, you know, for just. Scheming up some plays, scheming up, you know, just really just using the front seven because as, as it was very windy. They had like gust, wind gusts was like fifty to fifty to seventy miles per hour. So uh, throwing the ball was not gonna not gonna work. I know Johnny Smith had an incredible one handed catch. Uh, they got them a first down on one of their uh, probably like one to three drives, but other than that, completion. So. Shout out to the Patriots offense and Bill Belichick. That's the story of the Bill Belichick in the offense. Just running a power running game. It's it's Damian Harris. Just like just like Eddie had in the uh in the uh dropping the um in the chat. He said, Hey, Damian Harris, let's take first touchdown. What Damian Harris do? Sixty seven yards down the field. Scamper. Or 64, 67, one of those. And it was off a pitch play. Pitch play, not a stretch pitch play. It was like a, kind of like a, he was right behind him and he was kind of like a handoff and he just pitched straight to him. And then Damien Harris just found that, found that scene. Micah Hyde overran it and hey, he's going down 64 yards. So, yeah, Bill Belichick is the story of this game. Uh, Mac Jones did exactly what offensive coordinator. Uh, McDaniel's asked of him. So, yeah, shout out to New England. Shout out to Bill Belichick. And, yeah, the Bills need to go back and uh, figure out how they're going to have a running game because you're not going to do it with Devin Singletary. He's not going to do it for you. And Josh Allen, he, I mean, he's, he's a big guy, but him running like that is going to is gonna cause problems. Exactly. Yeah, so that's my biggest takeaway, man. Uh, yeah, shout out to New England winning that game as underdogs and catching some parlays. I know some of you guys took that line. Hopefully y'all did, but yeah, shout out to the Patriots. I would definitely say um, my biggest takeaway from the game is that Josh Allen is not the guy that everybody expects, honestly. I mean, they're hyping this dude up like an MVP candidate. Like, he's some type of, you know, he's still so high in the MVP, like Dude, he lost to Jacksonville. Like, why the hell is he still in this MVP race? 
He's over Kyler Murray. I understand Kyler Murray missed games, and the team won games with Colt McCoy. But still, yeah. Kyler Murray should be is more of an MVP candidate than freaking Josh Allen. Exactly. And Josh Allen yesterday, he couldn't even lead his team to success. Like, every time they got to the red zone, it got real stagnant. And I understand it's cold, but you're supposed to be built for this. You're played in, you played in Buffalo for years. So, I mean, you should know Buffalo is a cold-weather city and that, you know, you need, to, you need to adapt to this. I understand you got a good track team. The Bills got a better track team. They're not built for the winter. You know, Stephon Diggs has been playing in a dome for most of his career. Cole Beasley's been playing in the dome for most of his career. And, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, he played in mile high. Yeah, he's used to it. He's probably the only one that has experience. Only one that has experience in the cold on that team. So they need to they need to come up with better game plans because this team is not going to be built for January, February football. When it gets colder and it's snow and you got to depend on Josh Allen's rocket arm to try to move, move the ball downfield, and it's going to get caught by wind gusts. I feel like, and it's and his arm power is gonna lead it out of bounds. I've seen a lot of his throws get overthrown just because he couldn't couldn't get it, couldn't execute because of the because of the weather conditions. So I would be concerned if I was a Buffalo Bills fan. Patriots, I mean, you it seems like you got great value, Tom Brady, and you're gonna you might make a run. Especially since your team, the mo- the key part about this is that the Patriots can run the football with no matter who the hell is back there. It could have been Stevenson. I know uh, Harris went out with an injury, and so that's why he only had you know such little low carries, and Stevenson had about twenty four. But they got a two headed monster that's effective, and running game, running game, and defense can travel anywhere. And so as long as they could def- they could uh, keep up keep the time possession. I think the Patriots are going to be a dangerous team in this playoff picture. And it's not just going to be the Ravens and, you know, the Bills, quote-unquote, that everybody's, you know, hyping up for. So that's something to look forward to, you know, as we, as we keep progressing through the season. They got a tough matchup next week versus the Bucks, And, yeah, we're probably going to talk about that later on. But – Let's move on to the next segment. So, we recently got announced the college football playoffs. So, number one is Alabama. Number two is Michigan. Number three is Georgia. And number four is Cincinnati. So, so all right, man. So, I see now we got the college football playoffs rankings and we got the matchups finally. So, we have our matchups are Cincinnati, number four, versus number one, Bama and Michigan versus Georgia, two versus three matchup. So, first, let's touch on the Cincinnati versus Bama matchup. So, yeah, who's definitely. your favorite? What's your X factor? You know, give me a little insight on what you think about this game. Well, see, when you look at Cincinnati, their offense is basically going to rely on Desmond Ritter's arm, right? But he does have talent when running the football. So, when you look at Bama, they have all these all-star players, NFL-ready players, and you got Nick Saban over there coaching them up. 
And then you got a Heisman Trophy hopeful, you know, at quarterback, Bryce Young. So it's basically it's gonna be a quarterback battle to begin with. Let's let's not let's not think about the defense. Let's not think about any other Cincinnati defense. Let's look at the quarterbacks first. So based on this matchup, let's see how let's see how they're on offense. So this is my favorite part of the segment. I love talking about third down. Bama's ninth and third down conversion on offense. That's pretty good. Ninth in the country. SEC playing SEC defenses. It's pretty good. Now, Cincinnati. They don't play an SEC defense. Do they? Do they, Eddie? Well, mm-hmm. Wait, but when you look at them, who, who, what, what teams do they play? They play teams like Houston, Temple, UCF, Navy, Tulane, USF, even old, even old SMU in Dallas, you know what I'm saying, D-Texas. Are those SEC defenses, Eddie? Mm-hmm. Not at all. So, and I hate to say it because Cincinnati is going to be a nice Cinderella story, right? Nice Cinderella story. Always, um, kind of almost gives you a, a March Madness feel a little bit, just a little bit, you know, because you have these teams that, you know, that rise from, you know, the bottom of these, you know, little mid-major conferences. And that's what I feel like this is. This is a mid-major game. And Alabama has the edge. They have the edge because, hey, they have an SEC defense. And, yeah, let me give you some other stuff. Give me some other stuff to look at. So on defense, coming out, on first down, they're 47. Now, some of these numbers are skewed as far as, like, their third down conversion on defense because Bama's 90th. Now, that's going to ring the bell and say, oh, well, so that means Bama's uh, defense is vulnerable. No, they're not. They're not vulnerable at all. They're top 40 and giving up points. So you can drive on them, but they're going to stop you either way you go. But Cincinnati, yeah, they're going to move the ball. But the question is, can Desmond Ritter finish drives? Can he get touchdowns instead of field goals? Field goals does not beat Nick Saban. You can't beat Bama with field goals. So that line is like what? It's at 14 and a half right now, plus 14 and a half for Cincinnati. That's generous. Because <laughs> I really think Saban and those boys are going to just blow them off the ball, more physical offensive line, more physical running game. And then you have Heisman hopeful and young Bryce Young at the, at the helm. He throws a pretty football. Now, I know, I know Michi's hurt. I know he tore his ACL, and that, that, was, a, that was tough. Because he was going to be an X factor in this game, but and that's why I actually was going to choose until you know he did he get injured. But hey, Bryce Young is the one throwing, right? So I'm gonna, I'm going to take him. He's going to be the X factor for this game because we know how Bama's defense plays. So let's find the proper X factor, the proper quarterback. He's he's no Mac Jones. More athletic than Mac Jones, kind of gets the ball out a little quicker too, as well. Very flashy thrower, very very good mechanics when he throws the ball. He throws a pretty football. Ball he threw uh, Michi to uh, Michi, and he kind of side armed it to him, and he got it to him, and you know beat the defender and everything. He kind of 
So yeah, yeah. And I mean, I really think if he has a good game, he should be in the Heisman contest. But we'll talk about that later. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. I think uh, the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing about this matchup is <clears throat> it's all about how Nick Saban could handle Ritter's mobility. I think that's the biggest factor in this game because there's, there's no it's no secret that uh, Nick Saban has trouble with mobile quarterbacks in the past, and mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter it quali- definitely qualifies as one. He is second on the team in rushing and averages mm-hmm. about like seven rushes per game, and also has six rushing touchdowns. So he's very efficient through the air too with his 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So if Ritter's able to run and pass versus this defense, it may be an early exit for Nick Saban, but the, but the Alabama, Alabama pass defense, pass rush is very well equipped with Will Anderson, yeah. which I don't know why he's not in the Heisman, you know, at the Heisman, uh, as a Heisman finalist, it's it's insane how underrated he is. I feel you guys, Bama, out there. He deserves to be there. Everybody slept on. Not everybody knows about Will Anderson. And, you know, he kind of just yeah, linebacker out of nowhere. Yeah, linebacker putting up stats. So, yeah. And, but Cincinnati also has trouble on defense. They don't have the most prominent defense that could just get people off the field sometimes. And they let teams hang out. There's some games where Cincinnati didn't look really that impressive. And so with all these weapons, even though Mechie's gone for the year, it still doesn't matter. Bama still has another five-star loading just sitting in the wings, ready to make a difference. So, I mean, a new star will be born, I feel like, in Arlington, Texas on uh, New Year's Eve. And I feel like Alabama is going to win this game because they – I feel like it's just the size difference. I mean, Cincinnati has a lot of weight coming into this game. You also got to realize that Cincinnati's representing all the demons from UCF, all these group of five teams that never made it, and they're the first ones to make it. And so, I, I mean, I, think this, I don't think this team is just historically good. I just think that they just didn't play as good a competition and didn't get knocked off. So I feel like their ranking is, you know, they're probably like maybe a top 10, 15 team in the nation. They just haven't met that team that could knock them off yet because due to their lack of inferior inferior competition. So I'll probably lean towards taking Bama. Uh, They might roll them or if Cincinnati keep it close, but – I mean, Bryce Young has looked amazing, and he looked real poised in the pocket during that SEC championship game versus Georgia. So I think he should have – he should continue to have that momentum coming in. He might have a little slow start because they're still trying to adapt to the Mechie injury, but I think they'll overcome it. And, they I mean, Cincinnati's going to have to dial up some pressure. That's the only way that they'll be able to have a chance – if they could get pressure on Alabama's quarterback, that's what LSU did and held them to 20 points. But you can't be afraid to bring the house versus Bryce Young. He's still a young quarterback. He still has happy feet and will, you know, make mistakes. That's what you have to capitalize on. But that's really my take on that game. So let's move on to the next game. 
number two, Michigan versus Georgia. Same question, JD. What do you think yeah. is the X factor in this game? Who do you lean towards? And, you know, just just whatever you feel, like giving to the audience. Yeah, and, and on that last take, that's John Mechie, not Jordan. Yeah, we, we're not talking about Michael. My fault that it's John Mechie. But, yeah, let's go back to this take. <sighs> so, Michigan's defense – it's kind of, it's kind of, they kind of remind me of how Oklahoma State played. You know, they would allow teams to beat themselves. You know, but ultimately Baylor, and I know you're a little excited about that one, but hey, ultimately Baylor was able to break through that. But when you look at Michigan, look. Overall against the spread, they're eleven and two. So hey, you say, oh, okay, well, we'll go ahead and spread them. We'll, we'll take that. Georgia's eight and five overall against the spread. Now Georgia <laughs> may face tougher competition, you know, SEC teams, but Michigan they, they've done pretty well this year. They went nine and one in their last ten, and they're six and one at home. And they were 2-0 and as underdogs. That is an important stat. Them being 2-0 and as underdogs is, is pretty good. So, going back at who Michigan beat, Iowa, Ohio State, which was a not a shocker, but, you know, you, you saw that defense just hungry, you know, to mess with Stroud. Now, you have Maryland – who's not that good, and you got Penn State. So what does Michigan do well? They rely on their defense. Because on offense, I mean, yeah, they get seven yards of play. They're 32 in rushing, but they don't pass the ball well. And against SEC teams, you're not going to really run the ball. Not going not gonna to really establish a physical running game with the D-line of Georgia. And not to mention, Georgia's coming off a loss to Bama. So, you not think those boys are angry? They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. They're going to say, hey, everybody's against us. We lost to Bama. It was embarrassing. Let's go out here and show them what we can do. So, I'm going to give the edge to Georgia first. Just off the strength of them, this being a a get-back game. Or, um, you know, they could actually avenge their loss to Bama. And what wouldn't it be nice to see an SEC final, Georgia and Bama for the title? Wouldn't that be nice, America? Ratings would shoot through the roof. Wouldn't it, Eddie? Yeah. Are you serious? Y'all watch for that now. Just drop, just drop the token. So, but look, Georgia's, they're all about defense, of course. But look, on offense, what do they do best? When teams come out and give them a ball, what do they do? They're good on first down. They're fifth in first downs, and that's against ACC defenses. Sixth in passing yards and sixth in rushing yards. So they have a, they have a potent offense. They're pretty good. Georgia puts up points. They can score. They put up 41 on Tennessee. They put up 56. 
the next week. I don't know if it's a weak opponent, but hey, you bounce back and you get Georgia, Georgia Tech, and you put up 45 points. You shut out Arkansas. Well, you know, the media wanted to hype up Arkansas, but you shut them out. You beat a ranked Kentucky team, and you beat Florida, who turns out to be not as good. And you also beat Auburn. So Georgia has that track record. They have the team to do it. And I feel like Georgia will just use what they have on offense, and they'll just run the ball. Hutchinson is not the player that everyone in America thinks. If he faces a good run run offense and a what first round couple first round picks on that offensive line, he's not gonna do anything. He kind of reminds me of Taco Charlton when he came to Dallas. <laughs> what did Taco Charlton pan out to be? Nothing. He was just a six five, six seven guy that was athletically tall but could not get to the quarterback. That's all that's all Michigan pass rushers do. So, yeah, I'm going to go Georgia. And the X factor is going to be Georgia's defense because the numbers speak for their offense, but Georgia's pass rush, their front seven, and that secondary, they're going to hold up against Michigan, who doesn't score very well. So, yeah, back to you, Eddie. Uh, How do you feel about this one? Georgia and Michigan. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like my, – my opinion, I feel like the key matchup is the Georgia quarterback situation versus Michigan's defense. I feel like Nick Saban brought up – he mentioned that Stenson Benson, Benson, Georgia's quarterback, struggles when you change the post-snap picture on him. Mm. So, Michigan – if Michigan could somewhat – Michigan has the tools to be able to emulate that same game plan – if they take the Alabama game plan to go against Stetson Bennett. But also, you know, I think Michigan has great, you know, they get, they get pressure. I mean, Hudson, Hutchinson is cool. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's the best defensive player in the league, but I think he's serviceable and, you know, he's been playing great ball, but you know, another X-rated factor on the deep on the uh, offensive side for Georgia is the running backs. I mean, we didn't really get a chance to see them in the second half due to the blowout. But yeah. you know, James Cook and Zamir White is ballers. And not to slight anything about Michigan's running backs, Michigan got great running backs too. They got the transfer from UCLA, and they got you know they pretty much got a two-headed monster. To where they could control the they could control the clock too and, and win an ugly game. So, but I feel like Georgia wouldn't Georgia wants it to be more of an ugly game. But I feel like Georgia can win a brawl like that in the trenches versus Wolverine. It's still SEC offensive linemen versus you know Big Ten offensive linemen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's where yeah. Georgia has an advantage in the trenches. And so. If they're able to control the time possession and just run the clock and have Stetson Bennett as a game manager instead of somebody that they have to lean on and actually have him shoulder the load, then it's going to be a Georgia football win, and it's going to be, you know, pretty good. I don't know if they'll cover the spread. It might be that close of a game. But 
I think that they could win the game outright. I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to take them on a money line. But if this game gets to the 30-40s, I feel like Michigan is going to win this game. Because I'm noticing with Georgia, I mean, they put up high, they put up high point totals, but it's not really versus like, you know, the teams that are, they put up 30 points, 34. Okay, Florida's not really that good. They only put up seven on, a, I mean, 10 on a freaking Clemson team that looks like sh- complete shit. You know, they might have the same amount of talent as Georgia. Mm-hmm. And that was the first game of the season. But you've seen what Clemson's story was at the end of the day. I mean, Bad. these are inflated stats. 62 points versus Vanderbilt. Wow. 40 points versus South Carolina. 56 versus UAB. Mm. That's amazing, right? Arkansas, the hype of teams you said. That's hype. I don't really see not one good team Alabama really faced. I'm not Alabama. Georgia really faced before seeing Alabama. <coughs> And that was the first time they really saw a defense that could scheme for them. And what happened? Bam. They couldn't – the offense was stagnant, couldn't perform. The quarterback, Betts Bennett, couldn't even lead a comeback charge when it was just shouldered on him. He has to depend on the running game. So that could be an X factor. If they cannot control this game and it gets out of hand, Michigan is definitely liable to win this game, and they could win this game. And I feel like, you know, John Harbaugh. No, Jim Harbaugh, right? It's Jim, right? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, Jim. Jim. So, Jim, I always get them fucking mixed up all the time. Yeah, shit. always. But, <laughs> he doesn't, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but Jim, if he – if it's his first time in the damn college football playoffs. So, they, they always push the narrative trying to, you know, let him exactly, get far. You know what I mean? So, they always have secret narratives, but – you know, we just got to see what Georgia's offense, the quarterback, is made of. I mean, he, he showed me that he could fold whenever the defense scheme up for him, actually, and have the athletes to keep up with Georgia. So I'll keep my eyes on that as we continue to, you know, get closer to that big ball game. We got a couple weeks, so we'll probably be previewing it really, really soon. Yeah, really But all soon. right, let's move on to the college basketball rankings. So – we got a new update on the rankings on this past weekend. So our top, this round up our top 10. So it's going to be Purdue number one, Baylor number two, Duke number three, UCLA number four, Gonzaga number five, oh, Illinois nice. number six, seven, Texas, eight, KU, nine, Alabama, and 10, UK. So, out of the top 10 or even outside the top 10, who is your favorite right now to, you know, take home the NCAA trophy, even though it's way, way too early to really determine. So we didn't even play no tournament ga- I mean, no uh, divisional games yet, conference games yeah, yet. no conference games yet, yeah. So this is just a way early stamp it prediction type moment right now. Who do you think is going to win? Well, see, you know, doing podcasts with you, I kind of, get influenced to, you know, check out other teams like Baylor. Uh, you know, speaking of Baylor, how good do they look, man? <laughs> 8-0, undefeated team, which I think they should have been number one in front of Purdue. I don't understand why the committee thought that Purdue could be number one right now, but, hey, um, 
that's what they want to choose. So, I mean, it's cool. But I don't think Villanova could even be in it. They do this every year. Um, you know, they kind of, you know, kind of paddle through the season. And just because of the name Villanova, they think, oh, well, you know, they're going to do well in the tournament. And they'll get knocked off by, you know, some lower seed. So they're out of that picture. Not even going to talk about Villanova. KU, I mean, it's cool that Remy Martin did transfer over there and y'all kind of like snuck him in and got him. Like, I think you didn't even notice that Remy Martin was playing. I think you brought, me, brought that to my attention, Eddie. I didn't. I didn't know that he was playing for KU, but yeah, so Remy Martin's out there, and you know, they have a form, formidable team, you know, and they're not playing really, really good competition. They did beat Michigan State for the first game, uh, which, I mean, wasn't really impressive, but there was a game that, you know, me and you were watching, and, you know, we were looking at the lines and we're saying, hey, you know, maybe we should take their money line. That's Dayton. So, Dayton came in, you know, they're okay team. They play smaller competition, but they came in at BKU. So they're out of the picture. So if you lose to a team like that, I don't even want to talk about you. But basically, I'm going to have to give the edge to Baylor because just Baylor has a great system. Um, they have a great group of players. And I just think that it's it's really Baylor's time. It's Baylor's time to take over. It's Baylor's time to, you know, win the championship. I see that Bama has a nice group of young guards. Uh, I know they picked up some, you know, great signings from high school, but those players are still young. Those players are still young, and they don't have the depth and they don't have the system that Baylor has. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Baylor because, I mean, Really, that's your team, so I know you really can't touch on <laughs> how good those Baylor Bears are. Definitely. And, I mean, I'll be fair. I mean, I – I mean, this Purdue team looks pretty good so far. And they – I mean, they are number one. But I definitely, definitely, definitely feel like the Baylor Bears are definitely should win the championship this year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean – this roster just keeps getting better and better. They they stacked up a lot of uh, talent, freshman talent with Brown, and then also getting transfer guards to come in that, you know, have experience and, you know, can run, run the show pretty much. And Baylor got taller on the wings, and that's going to even help their defense, and they buy in. I mean, seeing these, these people, seeing the team play together, they got leadership in key spots. At the bigs and the and the guard in the guard room, and you know Matthew Meyer is definitely a sleeper. He's you know six nine six ten, number twenty four on the team. He plays big, but he's like almost like a Chandler Parsons type build, and you know he can he can shoot with the best of them when on when on fire. And so I think that the team is going to go as far as he goes because he's definitely an X factor. And it's like, you could probably name like nine or 10 X factors on that team. So they're really deep. And I feel like that's going to be key when it comes to facing like the, the Kansas and the Texas in their division. And then they also got a big matchup with Villanova coming up, two versus number six. And, you know, that's going to be a good, 
a good uh, measuring stick to see how close these this Purdue and Baylor team is because they both play – that's a similar opponent that they have on their schedule. I think Purdue handled up, Purdue handled up on Villanova and won 74 to 80. And so I'm interested to see if this is going to give Baylor motivation to want to come in and, you know, knock them out at home. I mean, not, I mean, knock them out when they come to Waco. I think next weekend or this weekend or something like that. So that's a matchup to stay tuned for in the top 10. And the re- that could really shake up some of this. You know, tell us a little bit of story. It's still early as hell, but I'm definitely already locking in Baylor Futures. And I already did for the Big 12. And I will for the national championship while it's Yeah, that's going to be on Sunday the 12th. Yeah, let's look it up. Sunday the 12th. Yeah, they're going to play on 2 p.m. on ABC, so that's yeah, going to be a big matchup. Yep, and I'll be there too, so Baylor we'll, we'll have some coverage on them. I hope <laughs> to see a Baylor blowout, but, you know, fingers crossed we will see about that. And do you have – so do you have any uh, sleeper team, any team that you would like to, you know, nominate or watch out for, some, some team that you like that's been, like, covering for you or anything? that you'd like to just shout out at this point of the episode? Well, I know this team won't – I know this team won't make the tournament. But, I mean, they need a shout-out because I was thoroughly shocked. I know I probably know you were too when you saw this score. But, so, did you guys see this game? It was a quiet game. No one really wanted to watch this game, but it was all Texas Southern versus number 14, Florida. So – I don't know. I mean, I guess the line—I I guess the line was almost up to thirteen hundred plus thirteen hundred money line for Texas Southern. And if you were one of those people, maybe a Texas Southern faithful who took that money line, shout out to you because you cashed in a lot. Uh, and it's not the fact that Texas Southern won; it's just how convincingly they won. Like they beat them by fifteen. Yeah, Texas Southern beat an SEC basketball team, Florida, by 15. It's almost like they're kind of like their football team. Who's who was that? Who was that like lower uh lower level school they played, Eddie? When they like well that school just kept scoring points on them. Was it it wasn't a citadel. It was one of those teams that the SEC always plays. I'll look that up later. Yeah. I remember, I remember that game, and they barely won that game. But it was like a, it was like one of the highest scoring games. Like like I don't know. They all they both scored over forty. But yeah, um, shout out to Texas Southern. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe a sleeper team right now you should guys should look for is Houston. Houston is falling under the radar. They did lose a piece to your Knicks. You know, they did lose uh, Grimes to the Knicks. So hey, uh, they trying to find someone to fill that void for them. But hey, watch out for the Cougars. Uh, of course, they're going to be first in the AAC. I mean, their conference isn't that tough. But, I mean, they have a pretty good roster. Pretty good roster. Uh, one of their players, one of their uh, top-scoring players is Sasser, who he's offering. <clears throat> Sasser. There we go. Sasser. Who's, you know, uh, he averages 16.7 points a game. Oh, uh, 17.7 points a game. And, uh, you know, he's dishing out the ball pretty well. And they have some pretty good guards. You know, Edwards, he's off, uh, averaging 13. And 
you got some guys like Mark, who's averaging 11.8 points a game. Um, so, I mean, we could see Houston, you know, make some noise in their conference, of course. They're probably going to win their conference. Uh, I know they got a, a good a good matchup coming up against Alabama um, on Saturday. Uh, then they play ULL, Louisiana, but I still call them ULL. Then they play Oklahoma State. So, we'll see what Houston is about. They can go 3-0 and in these next three. Uh, then you could see a Houston team really pick up some – some momentum, and they could, you know, knock off Texas State, knock off Cincinnati, and they could finish this December on a high note. Because, I mean, hey, December 3rd, they play, play Bryant, 111-44, play Alcorn State. I guess those are going to be like little tune-ups or whatever for this game. So we will see how they play against Alabama, who is also 7-1 and one and has a great group of guards. I mean, you know, you got guys like um, – Davidson, you know, I don't know. I guess his hair gives him powers, Eddie. Have you seen JD <laughs> Davidson, bro? Yeah. Oh, he's wild. But I mean, now I know he was dunking on people in and in high school. That's all he did was dunk. I didn't really see his shot in high school. I mean, he was more like a you know slasher going to the rim. Every time I saw a little highlight of him, he was just slashing to the goal and just dunking on people's heads. But he has a nice jumper. Yeah. True. Yeah, he has a nice jumper, man. I mean, he's averaging uh, 9.8 points a game. Uh, he, he is dishing the ball as well, so he's not just a scoring guard. He's averaging about five assists a game and five rebounds. So, you know, as, as a, you know, as an co- incoming freshman, he's, you know, he's doing pretty well. And that's, you know, in about 24 minutes. So, you know, we'll see how those Alabama guards, you know, fare against his team. You know, you got Keon Ellis. And you got hurt. So, we'll see how these boys play. But them boys <sighs> might be a showdown for Houston Alabama. Alabama, definitely. Facts. But, yeah, man, what's your sleeper? Uh, my sleeper team definitely has to be, I mean, obviously, it got to be Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State has been putting people on notice that they are back. They got a few transfers. They got some transfers from Penn State. I think it's so they got they nabbed a guard from Penn State, and then they got they had a couple other. They got a couple pieces. Some they got a great senior in Gabe. His last name is like Kulser or something like that. But he's he's really been stepping up as a leader on this team and. Honestly, it's just this team is winning. They beat Xavier by 12 at home. They bullied Imani Bates in Memphis. And, you know, they're considered – they're beating Oregon State. beat Oregon State by 10. Tournament teams. These are teams that are tournament caliber teams that they're just putting up points on. They beat Creighton Saturday by six on the road. So this team has literally got this team. This team got a, a freshman point guard in Tyrese Hunter, who got potential to be the best player. And you know they got senior guards, they got senior leadership, junior forward that failed at Kansas. He didn't crack the rotation at all. And you know he has upside to be. He's a four-star recruit in the first place. And maybe you know Iowa State is causing him to realize, like, look, I got this potential to be successful, and I can compete in the Big Twelve. 
Because, you know, that might be degrading that, you know, there's true freshmen coming in and just starting over you and stuff like that. And that got to hurt your feelings if you're a second-year player, especially if you're expecting playing time. You know what I mean? And right. so I feel like Iowa State is a real sleeper team. They're going to be – they're going to shock some heads in, you know, the Big 12. I hope it's not Baylor, but the Hilton Magic is back. Their home field, home court used to be so tight. They used to knock off people all the time. When Monte Morris was on that team leading them boys – they used to knock off people all the time, and they would never lose at home. And I'm thinking that vibe is back in Iowa State. So I would watch out for them as we progress throughout the season, and we'll see how they look during the Big 12. But yeah, all right, y'all. Don't forget about <laughs> Don't forget about what? Don't forget about Kentucky. Okay, yeah. Don't forget Don't about forget them, about man. Kentucky. They always fly under the radar when it comes to March Madness time. So we'll see how they do. They're seven. They're, they're, they're what? What are they? Like six and one right now? Yeah, six and yeah, one. So and we'll one. see. So, but yeah, this wraps up another on the go podcast with your boy Eddie Too Rich and JD Wolf. We yeah. will be we'll on be the back. go. We'll be back as soon as possible and dropping new content for you. We're still working on some things, and you know, stay tuned. Subscribe, follow, share. Word of mouth is key. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And we'll be and back. And then tell their friend and then their cousin and then their auntie and then I'll, you know, you know how they go. Let's keep it going. But all right, y'all. We'll see y'all. We're signing out. Peace. Y'all have a good day.